Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Welcome back to another episode. We have another interview for you today. We have Adam Apollo. He is the founder of several educational and technology companies and organizations. He is a leader in expanding consciousness and even started the Guardian Alliance, which teaches Jedi training intensives and advanced self-development workshops. He is also one of the faculty members of the Resonance Academy, teaching unified physics and much more. Adam also happens to be an experiencer and tells us all about his in-person contact with an ET and how it led him to become a key member in cultivating galactic ambassadors. All right, Bree, let's roll the tape. Hello there. Hello Hi. there, Adam. Hi, Bree and Jamie. How are you guys doing? We are doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, It's been a beautiful, though pretty swelteringly hot day here in Boulder. You know what? It we just got out of the pool, to be honest with uh, you. Yeah. It is Almost 100 degrees where what else to do besides try to swim? Yeah, exactly. Poolside time sounds great. <laughs> well, thank you for sitting with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Ah, why don't we start off by uh, maybe you introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here on this show. I'm Adam Apollo, for those of you that don't know me. And I have a lot of background and a lot of stories to tell, but the simple version of my life story in history is that when I was about 15, I realized that I had a human energy body by doing some experimentation. I was trying to figure out how it is that people can feel it when you are being looked at from across the room and how it's possible that you could feel your ears burn when somebody's talking about you and kind of investigating some of these strange phenomena and discovered a way to actually feel the tangible vibratory structure of my quantum field between my fingertips. And I, for me as a 15 year old kid, it was like, oh my God, I think I just discovered the force or something. And um, I went back to high school and basically started showing my friends what I had discovered. And most of them, it just completely blew their minds that they could feel something streaming out from my fingertips that they couldn't see and that they could feel it from any distance, even from across a room. Um, I used to demo locating objects in a room just by dousing with my body. A friend of mine and me would do blindfolded martial arts. And all of those explorations led to me really diving into a study of physics. And I really wanted to know, you know, what the heck is going on here? And why aren't we being taught this in school? And what is it that the fabric of space is made of? And, and why, why is this not part of our sciences? And so after years of diving through special and general relativity, quantum mechanics, loop quantum gravity, uh, string theory, I eventually found the pieces of the puzzle that I needed to put together a unified picture of reality and what we're actually experiencing. That led, you know, after high school and college, I had a series of uh, different experiences with other individuals that challenged my ideas of our, of this kind of belief that we just come into a body and we have one life and then we die and we go to heaven and that's it. 
because I had simultaneous recall experiences uh, with certain friends that showed me quite definitively, even approaching it as a scientist, that it was highly probable that I had lived in other times, in other bodies, and that I had known certain people in other times. And after about five or six years of kind of deepening into uh, what I consider a transpersonal psychology research project, in which I literally documented, you know, hundreds of these experiences and people remembering each other and having spontaneous recall of knowledge and skills from other times, um, it led me to an experience where I had a massive healing and suddenly realized that I was not from this planet and that I had been part of a strategic team, a very, very large team of people from different planetary systems around the galaxy who are choosing to come to Earth at the time during the Ice Age. And most people call this time period the period of Atlantis. And that we were strategically choosing to come here to uh, literally be born as humans or hybrid humans in order to support humanity and Earth in becoming part of this greater, beautiful galactic community. And that experience changed my life in ways I can't even begin to describe to you. Um, and it led to contact experiences and calling in starships and actually connecting with different species and to a lot of the technological and scientific work that I've been doing since on the planet. So that's a little bit about me. I also, you know, have a, a very professional world where I have built uh, online academies for different organizations around the world. I've been a speaker at the White House, the United Nations. I've been featured in conferences and festivals around the world since for about almost 20 years now. And, uh, you know, a lot of my work is in the field of science and unified physics and the future of human technology. But a lot of the insights that I've gained into that space and the success I've had in producing things um, in that space is because of this deeper spiritual experience um, thread and, and because of my connection with other beings from other worlds. That's awesome. So with you being involved in these different academies, I am familiar with the Guardian Alliance. Mm -hmm. Is this sort of a way for you to share the teachings that you've learned over time, what you've just been talking about with energy and sort of these different phenomenons that we have yet to understand? Yeah, absolutely. And the Guardian Alliance in particular is sort of a compilation of the skill sets and self-awareness that I've developed over all my lifetimes on Earth. So you've got martial arts, metaphysics, body-mind studies, in-person trainings include sword play, conflict resolution. And then, of course, I teach more advanced, uh, high-level consciousness faculties like astral travel and remote viewing, which are sort of natively essential to piloting starships because you can't use radar systems and you can't use light in order to uh, determine where you're going to travel. And so a prerequisite for that among the galactic community is developing the ability to travel with your mind first and to be able to retrieve information from other locations. So, you know, for a lot of my students, they call, they call the Guardian Alliance Jedi Training School. And it's not far off. I mean, 
if you were to have a you know something like Starfleet be developed as we develop starship technologies and go to the next level in human society, you need people that are not just skilled in one area, but that have you know perhaps specialized proficiencies, but that are capable of both being warriors and guardians for the planet, as well as healers, as well as good public speakers and ambassadors to other cultures, you know, as well as have the strategic mental capacity to put things together and to understand things at much deeper levels than most people. And so, you know, at at some level, you can think of it as the, you know, starship training school. (laughs) Absolutely. So for for these academies, I think a lot of the questions our audience would have is like, is this something that you do in person? Is this something that you do online or you can do a combination of both? Mm-hmm. How do people get this? Because I know a lot of people who listen to us are asking for these kind of things like, where do I go to learn more and to study and, yeah. you know, point me in the right direction. But, you know, not all these people can travel to locations. Is this something that you also offer online? Yeah, actually, the the heart of the infrastructure of both Guardian Alliance and the Resonance Academy is online. And, you know, most people come in and you can take the free initiation course, which kind of gives you a a deep dive into what we're talking about when we talk about guardianship and what that actually means and the different archetypes of the guardian and the sort of structure of the self-development trainings that we include in the courses And then, you know, you can just basically pay a small monthly fee and you get access to all the Mastery Ring One courses. So there's like six super deep dives into areas of self-mastery, which really um, are most easily kind of understood and translated by thinking about the chakras. So you have physical mastery, which is the warrior training programs. You have emotional and sexual mastery, which is the weaver training programs. You have mental mastery, which is magic and strategy and you know business, et cetera, which is uh, the wizard training program. And then healer, which is interpersonal healing, self-healing, others, healing relationships and others. Um, the ambassador program, which is all about public speaking and sharing your message with the world and learning how to give your deepest gift to the planet. And then the Starwalker training, which is uh, basically learning how to see that you are a multidimensional being, that you have many different aspects of yourself across many planes, and that you can come into a greater awareness of yourself and begin to integrate all the aspects of yourself through this self-awareness. We also cover, you know, extraterrestrials and contact experiences and, you know, spirits and things like that in in the Starwalker course. And then the idea is, you know, you traverse through these six courses and in doing so, you gain a deeper level of understanding about yourself, your greatest gifts, where your challenges are, and you start to kind of light up the crown, which is connecting them all together, which is really becoming the Jedi. Jedi is a word that you know, originally comes from the Egyptian Jed, and the eye of the Jed, uh, the Jed is the central pillar that connects all of the layers of the universe together. And so we're talking physical, emotional, and mental, and interpersonal. And as you connect all of these facets of yourself together, suddenly the capacity for mastering life becomes much more available to you. 
a lot of people think you just have to study one thing and then you're going to become a master. But if you look at any master of any craft, whether that's an artist or a fisherman or a pilot, they can relate that one gift that they have to every other possible thing in life. They can use the metaphors of the sea and the ocean to talk about relationships, to talk about farming and cultivation. You can apply your inner wisdom to every possible situation. Do you find that the people who are coming to the academy are contactees or just people who are very interested in this, or is it kind of like a pretty even mix of kind of both? Yeah, it's a very wide span. You know, I do I do travel around and do intensives, like weekend-long intensives in different places around the world. So a lot of the early students came in from those experiences and are literally all ages, everything from teenagers all the way up to, you know, people in their 60s and 70s. And, you know, in the online school, it, it, it just varies drastically. Uh, you know, there's about 5,000 people that have come in and gone through the programs at different times, or at least tried the initiation and things like that. And, you know, it's every demographic you can imagine. The people that really stay in and that are really dedicated, some of the people that have really become ambassadors for the Guardian Alliance to the world, are people who really understand the need for people to master themselves at this time where there's so much happening and so much chaos and so much changes in weather and changes in political climates. And, you know, the whole the whole world is shifting really, really quickly. And, you know, the best best way to address the changes on the planet is to first you know, really develop the capacities inside of yourself. Can you talk to us a little bit about maybe your first contact experience that you had with extraterrestrials? It's a long story. So uh, I don't know if we have time for a lot of that in this interview, (laughs) but I am actually going to be, I'm featured in this TV show on Gaia. Um, It's the number one show on Gaia right now. It's called Interviews with Ed as in ED, as in extra dimensionals. And uh, Ruben Langdon just filmed me after contact in the desert this year. And I tell in in much more depth the full story of, uh, you know, what happened for me. Yeah, we heard a little bit about it at one of the panels. You started to talk about it just a little bit, which is why I asked, because it's such such an interesting story that I just, I want to hear so much more of it. Yeah, well, there's a lot to tell. And, you know, for me, as a scientist, it's hard to tell to tell a story like that without really building the context with people because you know you hear crazy stories all the time but when you when you understand the the pathway of how someone came to an experience or had that experience it just makes it way more digestible and grounded and etc so i trust that you know some of your audience may come you know watch watch some other things of mine online or or watch that episode later and i'll just say that it involved me going through a really power, really, really deep, powerful personal healing experience. And what, where that experience led me to was a clearing of an old karmic dam that I had built up from the time of Atlantis with my mother and father from that age. And, and involved meeting them in person, in the physical, in this life, and having the memories with them that I needed to unpack where this old wound was. Once I was able to clear that wound and access the well of wisdom that I had within me at that time before I had that wound, I was immediately aware that I was not from here and that I was from 
another world. And it's funny, you know, like I'm sure a lot of your audience members can relate where you have, you have little things that happen throughout your life and they're like hints, you know, and it's like little things just tickle you. Like you watch certain movies or you watch, you're reading a certain kind of book or you, you know, you meet certain people and there are these little synchronicities. There's these little points on the path that are saying, Hey, pay attention. There's something important about this that you need to know. And when I, when I finally had this kind of breakthrough and realized that I was a Syrian ambassador from a dual sun system that I'd traveled to earth, it was like, Oh my God, all the dreams that I'd had of like traveling to this place with the land of eternal sun and these massive trees and all of the times I had full body chills reading about the elves and Tolkien's books to all of the, these, like all these little moments, you know, interconnected with each other. And I was like, it just made, it was so, it made so much sense. It was just like, oh, well, of course, like, duh, like that makes sense. And, you know, and you think about the population on earth and you're like, well, where did all of these freaking people come from? All these souls just like popping into existence and, you know, maybe, but, but the reality is that a lot of beings have come here from other worlds. And once I became really comfortable with that inside myself in this level of awareness where everything just suddenly fit together in this perfect puzzle, I, I was like, well, shoot, then I'm going to go, I'm going to go talk to some of my homies. Because if I'm from there, they're definitely going to like be willing to like come and talk to me. Right. And so, you know, I went into the deep desert um, where I was having this experience and I initiated sort of a sequence of, uh, you could call them consciousness practices or, you know, I, I, I basically used the existence of certain things in the spaces around me in order to establish a method of reaching out and making contact. And, it, you know, it had everything to do with basically getting myself into the state of mind and consciousness that I knew that I was signaling them and I knew that they were receiving the signal and that there was some way that I was going to get some message back. And instead of getting a message back, I got a physical extraterrestrial being who basically just showed up in this space standing right in front of me. And she she looked at me and I mean it was it was just super intensely stunning. And you know, and I will I will say for your listeners that this occurrence happened to me in a place called Burning Man in the deep, deep playa, which is way, way out in the desert, outside of the city, outside of all of these things, right? And so, you know, of course, instantly, even though it happened right in this moment of, of like having completed this process with this piece of art in order to initiate the signaling, I instantly was questioning it, like, absolutely, like, and I'm looking at her face, and I noticed that you know, instead of having this little bone that every Homo erectus, every Homo sapien has, where your your eye sockets go, and if you follow them out to the, the end of your eyebrow, there's a little bone, uh, like a point, a little kind of point that you can feel right there, where the end of your eye socket is. And every human has that, but she didn't. And her eyebrow bone, her, her actual brow bone itself went all the way back to near her temple. And she had that space was hollowed out. And you can't 
you can't do that with makeup. You can't do that with, you know, there's no way to do that physically, right? And so that was my first like signal. And she's got these little bone points in her forehead and on her cheeks. And the way she's looking at me is just like really, really, really deep. And she's got these uh, robes on and these robes have these little panels that come down to like two sides of the robe um, in the front. And there's little geometries and symbols on it in gold and they look like constellation patterns. And she's just staring at me and I move closer to her. And as soon as I get within about five feet of her, um, which is about the distance where two human energy fields like fully can overlap and come into contact. It was as if somebody dropped a VR headset on my head and I was suddenly in a full telepathic communication experience that was the most powerful thing I've ever, I mean, I've never experienced anything like that. And and even since it was more powerful than any telepathy or like, you know, subtle communication I've ever had with someone. And what she said into my mind is, I know who you are. And in my experience, I was entering this massive hall and there's like all these beings and like all these layers all sitting inside of this like huge chamber space. And then I'm like docking a starship with this like massive, you know, other ship. And then I'm like looking out of these windows down on a planet. And then I'm like standing in a stone circle, like on the planet and raising a sword. And there's a starship coming down above me. And there's like, and then I'm like in Egypt and there's like a giant obelisk and there's a giant ship that's like beaming light down to it. And it was like all of these moments where, I had made contact and, and not just made contact, but also moments where I was a galactic ambassador and I knew this soul and I could feel this communion with her. And also I, she showed me like the symbol that I used to wear, like on my ambassador suit, which is this pattern of a pentagram, uh, hexagram and heptagram, a five, six, seven that I used to, when I was waking up as a teenager, I used to draw it all the time. I used to put it on all of my like drawings and papers and she's showing me that sigil and she's looking at me and she's like, yeah, that was your like galactic sigil, bro. Like <laughs> I know who you are. And it was, it was overwhelmingly powerful. And I just, you know, bowed to her and I, thanked her. It was like deeply, deeply moving. And, and at that moment, these two guys show up in, in this area of the desert that I'm at. And, you know, one of them happens to be wearing like a still chainsaw hat and they're wearing flannels and they're basically like, you know, for lack of a better term, I grew up in Western North Carolina. So I have some leeway with this one and had a lot of friends in this area, but they were rednecks and they were drunk and they were like, on probably tripping hard drugs, something like that, you know, and they're like stumbling over and they're like, whoa, man, this is crazy. And they like look at her and they're like, whoa, oh my God, dude, like what the heck is happening? And then they're like looking at this art piece and they're like going into that and, you know, we're like losing them. And she like glances over at them. She glances back at me and she says into my mind, not all of you are ready. Mm. And it was like, if you ever saw the fifth element? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember when she looks up the word war? Mm-hmm. And she's looking at all like the images? Yeah. And it's just like, 
you know, and it's like, dude, you know, dude shooting a shotgun and then dude shooting a machine gun and then dude shooting a giant gun on top of a tank. And then like, you know, it was like this whole like, like role of, you know, how people get stuck into war and, and becoming soldiers and, and like levels of unconscious, just, I'm going to go with whatever my family says, or, you know, I get sent to military school and I can't, I don't have another choice. And just all of that, you know, was really in my face. And, you know, I looked over at them and I, I, I felt what she was feeling, which was the sadness and this like deep concern. And, and I, I looked at them and I also just saw, I saw that and I saw like, sure, like, I know those guys, like, I went to high school with a lot of those guys and a lot of them, like their dad beat them at home. You know, they were, they were in FFA and they couldn't get out of that because dad wanted them to like take over the farm when they get older. So they don't have like another choice. And if they don't listen or they're like, you know, they just party too hard or get too crazy, then they get sent away to military school, which actually is not that bad for them because it gets them away from home and away from like whatever abuses they've dealt with there. And, you know, I'm generalizing, but I have friends that were like, literally, this was their lives. And I, I understood how people get trapped in that way. And I, I also like, you know, I did keg stands with those guys. Like, I, I, yeah, I partied with them hard, you know what I'm saying? Like, we just, we rocked it out back in the day. And, you know, we had a good time. And I understand, I understand how people get caught in situations that um that don't really serve them and i i sent her that message of like you know what that's okay i love those guys and i'm sorry for the fact that some of them don't don't have another choice and i think enough of us on the planet are ready i think we are ready now and i just sent her like all this love that i had for those guys for all my friends and for all the people that i know who were like super ready to just take this whole game of being on the planet to the next level. They're sick of their jobs, they're sick of their stuff, and they're ready to become part of something bigger and see the world change and become more sustainable and more harmonic. And she looks at me and she just gives me this smile and she nods her head to me and she sends me this wave of love and it hits me so hard, it almost knocks me over. And it's just like, like blasts my being with this like ray gun of love that just like shoots through my whole body like electricity. And she says into my being, thank you for honoring your people. And at that moment, I realized she was testing me. Mm. She was seeing like, am I going to just like go with this judgment and just judge these guys and just be like, yep. Yep, some of us humans are just really screwed up. (laughs) And just leave them all behind, yeah. Exactly, like can we just leave them behind? But the answer is no. You have to have compassion for every being, no matter where, what their, you know, situation is. And I I was so overwhelmed by this love and this gratitude. It just almost got me starting to cry. And I bowed to her so deeply. And I just said, thank you so much for giving me this experience and for showing up for me right now and for just all of this. And I came up from the bow and she was gone. She was completely gone. And you know, of course, immediately I like look at the redneck guys, like, did they notice? And one of them ends up glancing over in her direction. They, and they like look around real quick, like, where the heck did she go? 
And I knew it was like that. Thank you so much, guys, for being there because you just confirmed for me that I just had that experience. You know? I was going to say, it must be so validating that these people actually saw her with you. Yeah. Like it wasn't just you hallucinating. It was it was a physical being who was there. Exactly. And, you know, somehow the like synchronicity of the universe provided that to me because I I'm a scientist. I would have doubted that experience so hard if I had not had those guys to confirm confirm it for me. And, you know, this, this experience led me to basically a further journey that same night where I spun up my Merkaba field and basically activated my body as a starship and portaled out of my body. And I ended up in this massive galactic council chamber where there were representatives of 73 different species from all over the galaxy. And I, for the first time, I really got the context of how big this whole thing really is and that these were just these were just the ones present (laughs) like in the astral chamber all present at the same time holding space ready for communication and for conversation and connection with each other and with me and whatever other ambassadors you know were present from earth and (laughs) that that journey with them and getting to know this beautiful galactic family we're a part of has shaped my life in just countless ways you can't even imagine. And and it's shown me that not only are we not alone, but we're part of a community that's bigger, bigger than most of us can even imagine. And that most of this community has already graduated from the the issues with energy and gravity that we have on this planet. And once you graduate on that level, once you realize that the fabric of space is full of energy and you start being able to use it locally, as soon as you realize that gravity is just a geometry in space-time and you can start adjusting the gravitational field around an object, and once you realize that all kinds of matter are really just geometric structures of bonded, you know, what we call molecules, but the molecules are, you know, atomic structures and Planck scale structures that are just energy in certain patterns. Suddenly, now you have the end of the economic system because you can produce any kind of matter that you want. You have the end of the massive, like, energy battles and the war over oil and all of these issues with energy on the planet. You suddenly no longer have people starving because you can produce enough desalinated water or enough food in any location to feed the world. And also when you can control gravity, you also don't have population problems because now you can travel to other planets and you can set up fields and you can, you know, populate your solar system. And not only that, the galaxy. And so I I realized very quickly that all of the biggest issues that we face as a species are answered by a very, very simple leap forward. And that leap forward actually just involves us really understanding the physics of space-time and applying that to our technologies and that we can become a galactic culture, a galactic civilization, and we will in my lifetime. Most definitely. The story that you just gave us, thank you so much for sharing that. That is mind-blowing. I think that everyone listening would probably want the same experience, but you really touched on the importance of the journey, and I feel like because of the journey that you've had and the growth that you've had, you were able to have that experience to begin with. When you said that she had told you not all are ready, there's definitely some truth to that. 
but maybe one by one, we're all starting to wake up to that. And it sounds like all of your courses with the Guardian Alliance is really trying to aid people to move in that direction. Because we all want this, we all want this one-on-one contact, but are we really ready for it? Yeah. And I think yeah. there's a sense of responsibility that we should have mm-hmm. when we even mm-hmm. get to that level of understanding all the sciences and being able to be intergalactic. You know, we can't just rush into it. I think there's a lot of awakening that needs to happen, but it sounds like you're really aiding in that process. Yeah, doing my best, being in service. And and yeah, it is really about translating. It's about translating how we individually go through breakthroughs and making making the same kinds of realizations and practices accessible to people. Because anybody can have the experience that I had. Anybody. It's it's totally accessible to you. But it it took it took me a lot of years of like working on myself and healing stuff and like actually really digging in and asking the hard questions about who I am and where I'm from and you know what am I doing here and why do I have an affinity with swords and what you know what what are all of these keys that I'm constantly being shown in my life really about and a lot of people don't you know just like well, for whatever reason they're just not willing to do that self inquiry to dive deeper into themselves and who they really are. And I can tell you, it is the greatest game on earth. Like, you know, I was lucky enough, I think, that, you know, when I was in high school, um, between 96 and 2000, you know, the internet was just blooming. It was not so as, you know, there was certainly movies and, you know, lots of great movies and stuff to watch. But the level of sort of media deluge was not as in my face you know, and it, and people didn't, weren't like on their phones all the time. I wasn't like, like I'd go home after school and I go sit by a river. I didn't have a phone. So I wasn't just spending my time taking photos and Instagramming people. I was actually sitting and contemplating like how the water was moving, you know, and how, how the tree was growing and, and, you know, like smoking pot and just meditating until I'd go into like zero mind space and start kind of getting downloads. You know, it's it's a it's a fascinating thing, but you know, in this time it's so it's there's so much more noise around us that it actually takes more courage and more bravery and more willingness to actually put yourself outside of the box and to go and hike into the woods and go and like, you know, get get out there, get into nature and really let the power and the wisdom of nature teach you. Because there's so much that you can unlock inside of yourself just from just from being in quiet, peaceful spaces in nature. Sounds like you didn't have as many distractions as a lot of people have and even do still. And it's interesting because so many people, it's like they're looking for the next distraction. It's like when something isn't in front of us or always engaging us, it's like people don't know what to do with themselves. It's almost like they're afraid to face that empty space when really there's so much there that can be offered to us. You know, and that, that's where the growth happens. Mm, yeah. I just had this conversation with my friend today, actually. It's just interesting. That to me, there seems to be a split with people that are really moving in the direction of finding out that soul purpose or where, you know, the soul even comes from, asking those questions and, you know, coming back to home. Mm-hmm. And then there's another group of people that are just really interested on what's on Instagram mm-hmm. right now or how do people perceive me? There's this divide. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that is really important that I would love for you to touch on 
uh, at least how you feel about, is you know, even in this community, a lot of people that would resonate as a star seed, right? Kind of what you're talking about, remembering that you come from Sirius, the Sirius star system. Some of them are still very, like the focus is all being out there. Almost like they've lost an appreciation for the planet or the gift that it has here. And it's all about mm-hmm. leaving. Exactly. I see these memes all the time or these shirts that, you know, there's there's a flying saucer abducting someone and it's like, take me, please. Or uh-huh. I'm get so, me out of here. Yeah, Save I'm so me. over this planet. Like, you know, uh-huh. I get what they're saying. But at the same time, I think that there's something there's like a grounding that needs to happen uh-huh. where, yes, we do want to get to those those spaces and be able to excel and, and be in the stars. But also, I feel like a big thing that we need to understand is why we're here now. Yeah, like there's some purpose for us here. It's not so much about escaping, but maybe yeah. coming to the realization that, yes, you have a part of your soul was on other planets, but also now you're on this planet. So how can we bridge that? How can we bring that to a holistic experience, you know, yeah. where it's all become one and it's bringing those higher realms down to earth and really grounding it yeah. and expanding our human experience? Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Yeah, a lot of it is about it's about belief systems. And, you know, one of my one of my kind of focus areas of work is about studying the different ways that our belief systems either empower and allow us to expand and integrate more consciousness or they resist uh, whatever it is that we're actually experiencing and keeping us from actually seeing what we're trying to see or find what we're trying to find. Um, You know, I have a lot of people that say, you know, I've been trying to see starships for years and I've always wanted to do that and I just I keep trying to raise my vibration but I don't know how to do it and I never see anything you know or I don't I question it too much when I do and you know one of the first things that I often tell people to do is if you want to call in a ship build a medicine wheel and what that means is literally like go into a place in nature (laughs) where it's quiet and the sky is quiet everything's quiet and move rocks into a circle and then you know make a beautiful geometry inside those rocks whether you do like a you know four directional cross to the four elements or a five-pointed star or six or whatever you want to do move rocks (laughs) and and the act of the meditation of actually moving rocks and actually building this medicine wheel and and connecting with the stone, connecting with the earth, actually grounds you enough that you can raise your awareness to a point where now, when you look at the stars, you're going to actually be able to see ships and they will come and they'll actually recognize what you're doing because you just built a portal on the ground. You know, this is, it's, it, it seems esoteric, but it's actually pretty simple. When you really think about it, If you try to run more electricity into your house, you can't do it unless you increase the size of the ground cable that's running into your house. In other words, the more grounded you are, the more electricity can run through the house. And the same is true of your body. The more grounded you are, the higher capacity for energy flow you have, frequencies and et cetera. And I also get pretty annoyed when people are just like, I'm just trying to raise my frequency to get as high as I can. Well, guess what? That's a one directional movement of consciousness. And the universe doesn't work like that. You have high frequencies and you have low frequencies. 
And if you want to expand your consciousness, you need to expand your awareness of higher frequencies and lower frequencies at the same time. It's not as if things with lower frequency are bad, <laughs> because guess what? You're in a body, and a body requires density, and density requires a certain arrangement of geometry and space-time that actually allows for the lower frequencies to exist in such a way that you come into form. And so there's a gift to lower frequencies, and so many of the long-wave communication fields that we have in the universe, they're all low frequency. They, they're, they're all low, long frequencies that go and span, you know, across large distances. And if you look at it, you keep seeing longer and longer and longer, you know, wavelengths, lower and lower and lower frequencies to the point where you're actually looking at gravitational waves and you're looking at the field of giant waves that actually connects the planets together in the solar system and the solar system to the galaxy. And so as you go down in frequency, you're going towards the infinite just as much as when you go higher in frequency. And as you go higher in frequency, things become more and more detailed and faster. And so faster and more detailed means that you get more and more caught up with the minutia of things. And, and as you go higher and higher in frequency, you get closer and closer to like atomic frequencies and then all the way down to the Planck scale and then all the way into the infinite at high frequency. And so con being aware of our connection with space and with reality is actually about expanding our bandwidth. It's not about going higher or lower. And this is also true of this idea of ascension. You're not just trying to ascend beyond your body. If you are going to do that, then you may as well just die. But how do you incarnate more? How do you descend into your form and honor your body more deeply and honor the gifts that it has to give, whether that's pleasure or eating food and honoring the food that you eat, honoring the water that's flowing in your blood and the, you know, trying to work to clean the freaking chemicals out of our water so that our blood can flow more cleanly. I mean, it's applying our consciousness to how we are existing in this world. Because I'll tell you right now, from my very direct experience, there are many kinds of extraterrestrial beings out there, but guess what? Most of them evolved on planets, and they are physical beings. They've just developed the capacity to astral travel, and you know they can pilot ships faster than light, and those ships have gravity fields around them that let them fly in and out of stars and in and you know through the surface of objects like mountains into the earth. And you know they can do things that are technologically what we think of as higher dimensional or advanced. But just because they have that capacity doesn't mean they don't still have a flesh suit. Doesn't mean they don't still eat food. Doesn't mean they don't still have sex. And, you know, like this is part of them and it's part of us. And we have to learn how to own the full spectrum of what we are in order to really relate with them. I love everything you just said. Thank you so much for that. You just bridged this, this gap of separation, or at least this illusion of separation that I think we have when, you know, people wanted to ascend more and get into these higher frequencies. A lot of the time comes a lot of judgment, you know, of what other people are doing or what other people are saying. And I know one thing that I've struggled with is 
being really into that, but then also, like, I like vodka, so I, like, want a cocktail, <laughs> you know? And then it's, I like tequila. Yeah, we, we love tequila, yeah. too. We love tequila. So it's, you know, and then there comes this judgment of, like, well, you're all spiritual and this and that. Then, like, what are you guys doing at the bar? You know, there, there comes that judgment. And then I have to, like, think to myself, well, I am having this human experience. And shouldn't this be about combining all of this together opposed to cutting one part of ourselves off, you know? And I feel like what you just said makes perfect sense. And I wish we could just spread that to the world because that hit home for me. Just feel better just knowing like it's okay. You know, we don't have to separate ourselves this way or feel like we're doing something wrong. And I feel like a lot of people that come from religious backgrounds that, you know, have made their way more into the spiritual side, they have those scars of feeling like you can only do this, this, and this, and you cannot do that or else you're going to go to hell when you die. Sometimes I see reflections of that even in this community when people say, you know, you can't do this and that because then you're left behind. You're not going to ascend. You're you're stuck here. And, (sighs) you know, and so it reminds me a lot of that. Didn't we all move away from those constructs to find more unity and more acceptance? And it's funny, too, because, like, Brie will say to me sometimes, she's like, ugh, you're so third dimension right now. But I think sometimes, like, we're in the third dimension, and we're supposed to experience these third dimension things. Like, and I think people sometimes put so much of a negative stigma on the things that happen here on Earth. And don't get me wrong, both of us are, are, we do that sometimes, you know? But it's interesting that you say that in that way because it does resonate so much that it's okay to have an experience from both angles. Like, that's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, things that we desire are okay to partake in. Like you mentioned sex. I think some people think you have to cut yourself off. You shouldn't be, you know, doing whatever you want to do with whomever. But those are feelings that we have and they do give us energy to a certain point. You know, it's like we should be able to express those, those energies. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, what both of you are sharing and it's, it's a very personal and deep experience for everyone. And you there is so much fear. There's so much fear because of the the implementation of this idea that if you do something wrong, if you do something that is not considered okay by your church or whatever, that you're going to like burn and suffer and be punished forever. And you want to talk about something that creates terror. The idea that you're going to eternally be fucked is one of the scariest things that you can possibly imagine. Absolutely. And at one point in my personal spiritual development, I had to face that terror. I had to face that deepest fear in me. And the way that it looked was it started really simple. It was just like I did. I was trying to do something and I was trying to do something good and I made a mistake. And then I was like, oh, no. And, uh, and I was like, shoot, I can do it better. And then I try it again. But then I would, when I did it again, I made it worse and I was mad at myself. And then I tried again and then it would be worse. And I was even more mad at myself. And then I started getting scared and judgmental of myself and calling myself names. And I, I went all the way down this path in, inside of this journey to a point where I literally felt like everything that I'd ever done was wrong. All the mistakes I'd made had created hell. And I was in hell. I actually experienced this feeling of being in hell. And it was all the anger and all the hate for myself 
and all the judgment that I had applied towards myself for everything that I had ever done wrong. And then something happened. And the way that I experienced it was, it was as if like a goddess, a a divine feminine voice, like pierced through this shadow of hell and darkness where I literally felt like I was the evil. I was the, I was evil. Right. Or something. And like, it like pierced into all the pain and all the knots and all of the self-imposed cages that I had put on myself and had resigned myself to in this darkness. And it pierced all the way into my heart. And this voice spoke to me like a, like a symphony, like a song. And she said into my heart, she said, how do you know who told you that about yourself? And, and I realized she was asking me, how do I know that I'm evil? How do I know that I did wrong? Who told me that I did all of these things wrong? Was it me? Was it somebody else? I, I, I realized I didn't know. I, I actually didn't know how... I came to this whole perception of judgment about all of these experiences across all of these lives or whatever. And suddenly my little crack of like, wait, maybe I don't, I actually don't know. Suddenly like cracked open this whole cage of darkness and and pain. And suddenly I like shot out of it and I flew up in my being and shot into this space that was just like luminous, crystalline, beautiful, everything was unbelievably gorgeous, and looked down at the, at the sort of space that was hell that I was in before, and I saw how every single thing I'd ever done that I thought was wrong or was a mistake was part of this perfect pattern of these flowers that were like blooming in this garden of the universe. And that like everything that I had judged myself so hard for and and hated on myself and punished myself for was actually something that was a gift (laughs) and contained within it this like exquisite beauty. And it completely shattered all of that feeling inside of me of judgment and, and, and hate and pain because I realized I actually don't know how things play out. When I, when I make a mistake, when I, if, as long as I'm trying to do the right thing, just keep trying because whatever you end up doing, even if it seems like you screwed up, you may not really understand the big picture. And, and that may turn out to be something that actually becomes a huge blessing. And, you know, when you apply that to your life and you start looking at things, I started looking, you know, I I have for many years looked at a lot of the religious beliefs in different cultures. And, you know, being in the United States, like I grew up, I went to Christian churches as a kid to have friends there. I spent, I have a lot of friends, a lot of, I know a lot of people that are like deeply into Christianity. And like, I freaking love the teachings of Christ. It's amazing. And I look at the Christian church and I look at a couple of the things that happened when the Roman Empire was spreading across Europe. And one of those things is that when they were trying to convert the pagans um, to Christianity, they took their most sacred symbol, which was a pentagram, and they made it a symbol of evil. And the pentagram was sacred to the pagans because it represented their communion with God through the elements. 
Like, how do you speak to God through water? How do you speak to God through fire? How do you speak to God? It was literally how how the world is being created around you, and it was their spiritual communion with the elements. And so the Christian church, and really it was a it was a, you know a few people in a you know one of the papal councils that basically took the symbol, they turned it around, and they took they took Pan, who was the god of fertility for the pagan people, and. Pan, the god of fertility, is all about sex, and it's about like connection with the earth and with each other, and it's about abundance, and it's about creating like all the food you need, and creating your children, and creating a beautiful, abundant, thriving life. That's what Pan is really about: is unlocking the gift of sexuality for the creation of life force in the universe. And they took that symbol and they turned it into this devil symbol of Satan. And they connected it to this pentagram as an upside down pentagram and made the two points at the top, the horns of the devil or whatever, and basically took this most sacred symbol and not only, you know, sacred to these people for grounding and for connecting and communicating with God and with spirit, but also with their ability to procreate with each other. And so (laughs) you basically have a religious tradition coming in and cutting off people's ability to feel safe having sex, having children, worshiping nature, deepening their connection with the earth and with magic and with the ways that like life force moves. And it was literally like a virus designed to kill off as many of the pagan and Germanic tribes as possible. And if you use that symbol, and, and this happened, you know, for literally, there was about a thousand, you know, years or so, and we call it the Dark Ages. And the Dark Ages is when many, 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 many peoples across Europe became diseased and lost connection to the earth, believed that nature was evil. And we s- still saw outputs of that all the way through, almost, you know, into the new world with witch burnings and with the, you know, the whole kind of psychological process of the inquisitions and, you know, the murder of, you know, hundreds of thousands of women who were herbalists and healers and men and children, of course, too. And, you know, there's a deep pain in all of that. And it's a really serious thing to account for. And, you know, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, you know, it's, I I would, I'd ask you, like, does that align with the teachings of love your enemies? Does that align with the teachings of total compassion and love for all people? Is it okay to just judge someone from another culture you don't understand or to take any of the things that they consider sacred and make them evil? And I want to ask you, like, really seriously, like, is it okay? Do you actually understand someone else's path well enough to say whether their belief is good or evil? Because we we see this happening right now and and has been happening for, you know, with the whole rise of the anti-terrorism acts against Islamic people. Yeah, I was just going to say there's so much of that prevalent in today's like media and today's news that we're persecuting this religion where, you know, just specifically Muslim, if you know anything about the Muslim religion, it's genuinely a beautiful religion that requires so much dedication that people don't understand and they they turn it into such an evil thing. And it's like the same thing with paganism. It's this beautiful, intricate religion that you've taken and you've turned into something negative for your own agenda. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and it has many, many different paths and forms. And, you know, and interestingly enough, you have a bunch of Christians, you know, that became known as the Templars who realized that these things were actually sacred and powerful and actually were connected to consciousness. And then had they had to hide from the rest of the Christian church so that they wouldn't be persecuted. And that became Freemasonry, where like they were trying to keep a lot of this knowledge secret because they were afraid of persecution from their own church. You know, it's a really uh, it's a really deep thing. And it, I'm not just pointing the you know finger at the Christians because Muslims have done similar things. And, uh, you know, all the religions of Judaism has its kind of dark side here, too. But when you really step back and you look at the history of humanity and you look at these things in more depth, you start to realize that so much of the war, so much of the pain, so much of the hate is actually from these sort of spaces of judgment, which I think really come from judging ourselves. I think it's actually from the blame and shame that people have felt for themselves that then they point the finger at others and they say that that's your fault or that's that you're the evil one. Because they don't actually want to look at their own shadow. They don't want to look at their own mistakes. They don't want to look at their own fears. Uh, I mean, you ask any Christian, do you get down on your knees and pray five times a day? Yeah, exactly. Who has that kind of dedication? <laughs> you know, like, really, do you, like, dedicate prayer time, like, <laughs> on the clock five times a day praying to God to bless your family and to bless your life. Like, mostly, no. But the Muslims do that. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's it, uh, yeah, it's a wild, it's a wild thing to look at. Absolutely. It's deep. All right, we're hitting our hour mark, so we're going to have to wrap it up. I have one more question for you before we go, just something quick, you know. Yeah. Me and Brie are big believers that we think some sort of disclosure is happening now, whether it be, you know, government controlled or actual disclosure. And I just, you know, wanted your opinion. Do you think disclosure is happening now? And if it is, can you tell us why you think it is? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been in this this game for a long, a long time now. And, you know, I was first given a videotape brought straight from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. in 2001, where Stephen Greer had launched the Disclosure Project and had all of these testimonies in D.C. And, you know, since then followed Michael Sala's work and, and uh, many, many others who have been working very, very hard, Paradigm Research Group, uh, which is he's Michael as well, and others who like have been trying to do, make this, you know, congressional hearing happen and get basically somehow the government to acknowledge that these things are real. And, you know, the thing is, is like, you don't need, you don't need the president to come out and say like, yep, I've seen the files, you know, because probably doesn't know half as much as some of the guys who actually worked in these spaces, you know, like we've already had on Larry King Live, you know, a group of generals, high level generals come forward and be like, yep, there was starships. They were shutting down our nuclear weapon systems, you know, then they did it multiple times and, you know, knocked one out of the sky even and made it completely inert. It, it's like, well, what, what more do you want for disclosure? I mean, if you're, if you're waiting for the government to give you a story, they're going to control the story and they're going to give it to you exactly like the way that they want to give it to you. And that's going to be the way that probably initially will create the least amount of reaction possible. 
And then over time, we'll probably play into whatever agenda happens to be like on the dockets for the military industrial complex. I mean, you go all the way back to Kennedy and you've got him, you know, right there saying it, Eisenhower as well. Like, you guys got to look at this stuff. And you can't, you can't just let, you can't just rely on a bureaucratic governmental system to do the job for us because it's been obviously co-opted and, and there's been a lot of problems happening inside of those systems for quite a long time. And a lot of it has to do with how the money flows. You know, I highly recommend checking out my friends Foster and Kimberly. They did this project called Thrive and the Thrive movie. And it's, it's an awesome project. And he's showing, you know, how, what happens when you follow the money and you actually see where the money goes. And they're about to release a new version of this Thrive 2 that I have some friends in and might even be featured in a little bit myself. We'll see, hopefully. But they're, uh, they're, they're doing an amazing project with this. And I think when it comes down to it, disclosure happens through the people that have had experiences. And so from that standpoint, oh yeah, disclosure has already happened. I mean, you've got thousands and thousands of experiencers with direct knowledge, direct experience, all kinds of credentials, many of them, who have had very powerful experiences and are ready and willing to talk about the communion that we have and the connections we have with other beings from other worlds. I would just say as a final note, to take everything with a grain of salt, because everybody is interpreting their experience through their own lens of whatever it is that they've seen, whatever belief systems they have. And also, you know, at least since, you know, the 60s and 70s, there has been massive disinformation campaigns designed to seed confusion and designed to make us less clear about how things actually are so that we question each other and we judge each other and we separate from each other. And a good example is, I think, one of those large-scale disinformation campaigns that was pretty successful is the whole flat earth theory. <laughs> and it breaks my heart to see how many people and, and even friends, people that I really respected, fell off that boat and fell into the world of like the earth is being flat. And the amount of loss of credibility that happens at that point and the, the kind of division that happens among people and communities because of these kinds of distorted beliefs is really, really, really sad. So I encourage all of you to, you know, find the truth for yourself. Get, get out there. Do your research. Learn some science. Develop your capacity to, to observe the world and test your hypotheses, you know, test them. And understand that, yes, there are conspiracies. There are people that have lied to you for a long time. That's definitely true. And it's really sad. But the truth is out there and it is available to you. And just because there have been threads of distortion to keep you from the full knowledge of what it is that you're here and destined to own as your power and your knowledge of yourself, it's not true of most people. Most people actually come from really good-hearted places and are actually actively trying to explore the world that we live in. And that is true for a lot of people at NASA who I know personally. And that's true for a lot of scientists out there. It's true for, for uh, so many people on this planet that are just doing their best to, to help us move forward and bring the planet into greater balance. I love all of that. 
And I completely agree with you. And I think it's very important for us to have the best discernment right now in this time. Yeah, exactly. Good word. I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you've shared with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Pleasure. And I would love for everyone to be able to find all the courses that you're offering, all the different academies. Can you give everyone the rundown of where they can find you and what they can participate in? Yeah, sure. It's easy to find me. You can just Google Adam Apollo Guardian Alliance. You can just search for Guardian Alliance. You can also go to guardian.is. I'm actually doing a huge sequence of updates in the back end of the main site uh, and systems right now. So if you if you run into any glitches, it's probably because those updates are happening and you can go to support on the Guardian site and just let me know whatever glitch you found. We have a huge new wave of students coming in and stuff, so there'll be more action happening there. And then I also, uh, my largest academy is the Resonance Academy for Unified Physics. Uh, that's resonance as in vibrational resonance. And you can find that by searching for resonance science or resonance academy. Um, and we have almost 40,000 students now in that school. And uh, we're doing a big retreat in Santa Cruz at 1440 Multiversity. And that's coming up as of July 29th. So I'll be there. A bunch of our faculty. Oh, shoot. You know that we live right next to Santa Cruz. Oh, really? Oh, we do. We'll come. We should. We should, absolutely. Sorry to interrupt you. We just got really excited. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I would love for you guys to come, and you will have an absolute blast. I will I will uh, follow up with you and send you a link, and you can post that with this talk if you want yes, to. Yes, please. But, yeah, it's going to be me and uh, Nassim Haramain, of course, Ooh. who's our research director, and a bunch of the research team. And uh, Robert Grant, who's my business partner, who cracked the pattern in prime numbers to infinity. Alan Green, who decoded Shakespeare's work and found tons of math and science, including all of the, the patterns in the Great Pyramid hidden inside of Shakespeare's sonnets. There's just tons of amazing deep work and really, really great, well-researched work that's going to be being presented there. And it's a retreat setting, you know, and there's hot tubs and it's going to be super fun. So I'd love to see you guys there. That sounds Absolutely. like a great time. Yeah, send us the link. <laughs> We're there. Okay. I want to let you know that you are a fresh breath of air. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice to hear everything that you're doing and all the insight you have to offer. I feel like we could talk to you for a very long time and that you're just a very grounded person. It's really fun to talk to someone like that because I think it's hard to find people that have these expanded awareness, but yet are very down to earth and they really bring it home. And so. just want to connect with people. Yeah, it's so hard because I think a lot of times when when people get in that position where they're a little bit higher up, they want to distance themselves from the public. But it's so refreshing to see that you are still so engaging with the people around you. Mm, thank you both so much. That means a lot to me. And I am always down to support and help people in spreading more truth and, and bringing more inquiry. And I wish you both the best of luck with this show. And I hope that it turns into something really big and, and, and reaches a lot of people. And thank you. Thank you for being willing to put yourselves out there and give your gift of, of inquiry and exploration. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so, so much. much we'll Adam. talk to you soon, Adam. You have a really good rest thank of your you night. Thank you so, so much. Okay. Such a pleasure. And hope to see you guys in, in like yes. a couple weeks. That'd be Absolutely. Awesome. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Adam. Thank you so much. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Take care. It was so great to talk to Adam. I really had a good time with that interview. What about you? I really enjoyed it too. I think he's a cool guy. I would definitely hang out with him in person, you know? 
Sounds like me and you might be going on a trip to Santa Cruz soon. That would be a lot of fun. He said hot tub, I'm down. Speaking of hot tubs, let's get into our shout outs. We have Anthony, Brandy, Destiny, J Plus, who is at the Kurt Army on Instagram, Matt Tiller, at Tiller Ferriller on YouTube, and we have Bobby from at Not For Everyone podcast, Rod, who's new, welcome Rod, welcome to the club, Scotty, Simon, Vanessa, AP, and last but not least, Jan from the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in tonight. If you guys want to get a hold of us, shoot us an email at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and all social media platforms. And make sure you guys check out our Patreon if you feel like giving us a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash that one time I was abducted by aliens. And then if you guys want, call into our hotline and leave us a message. You could tell us a story. You could just say what's up. You know, whatever's on your mind. Think of us as like your digital alien therapist hotline and just call us with your stories. And the phone number is 408-320-8481. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. We love you all and fuck you, Mountain View, California.